This morning, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. And this morning, I want to speak to you on hearing the voice of God. And I've planned this to be as simple and practical as I could make it. So there's nothing complicated in this morning's talk. And I have three very simple points, if you're taking any notes. And uh, we'll share these together over the next little while. The first point is this. God speaks. God speaks. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved or hovered over the waters. Then we come to verse 3. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. You may not know it, but creation didn't start with a big bang. It started with a voice. And in Psalm 33, the psalmist tells us that when God was making the starry hosts of heaven and this earth, it says he commanded and it stood forth. So God does all his work through his voice, through his speaking voice. You and I worship a wonderful communicating God. And right in this very first picture of uh, Genesis, I think it gives us an indicator of what God does with us. You see, because of sin, the Bible tells us that our minds and our hearts become darkened. And when you and I have a God encounter with this wonderful Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, the first thing he does is he speaks light into our darkness. And because of sin, there's chaos and brokenness and hurt in all of our lives. But when he speaks to us, he begins a work of creative order in our lives. And that becomes the process that Sally was talking about, that over our lives, God continues to undo the damage of sin in our lives. And he conforms us more and more into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. So God speaks. He says, let there be light. And there was light. Because God is the one who's in control, everything he speaks will happen because he's in charge. And of all the creatures that God made, it's interesting he only addressed one, and that's mankind. Look at verses 27 in chapter, uh, Genesis 1. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We need to know that male and female are both in the image of God. Then we read in verse 28, then God blessed them. So the first thing he does is to bless. And then we read, and God said to them. 
And what he does now, he lays out the mandate for their existence, the reason for their being, the purpose that they were on the earth. And he says, I want you to represent me on the earth. I'm paraphrasing it for you. But every other creature, when they saw the man and the woman walking on the earth, they would say, there's God's representative on the earth. And then we come to verse 29. And God said, I have given to you. Not only did he give the mandate and the purpose for their lives, but he said, I'm going to give you provision for your lives. So this is the wonderful God that we have. The clear indication of the word of God is that only man, when I say man, that's male and female, only man has the ability to communicate and receive communication from God. And that what what makes us as human beings absolutely unique in all of God's creation. You see, we have the capacity to live in two dimensions. We can live in the spiritual realm and we can live in the natural realm. No other creature has that amazing ability that we have. And of all the creatures that God's made, only mankind bears the image and the stamp of God in their being. And that's what, again, makes us unique. You see, the first thing that God created was our spirit. And he breathes that spirit into molded clay. And man becomes a living being. I often picture this. I can just imagine, here's this globe that God's been working on for six days. And he stands, the Lord Jesus stands in a wet damp bit of clay and he reaches down and he picks up some clay and the Hebrew word is when it's dealing with the male he squeezed it and he squeezed it into the shape of a male until finally standing before him at exactly five foot eleven my height <laughs> is the perfect replica of a male but it's just an image. And then God, the Lord Jesus, stands next to it and he puts his nose next to the nose of that statue, as it were, and his mouth next to it, and he goes, and he breathes living spirit into that amazing image. And when consciousness first strikes Adam, and he opens his eyes, he looks into the face of his creator, and he hears him say, you are very good. That's the kind of God that we worship. And hence, you and I can commune a Kate with God. The scripture says in Romans 8 verse 16, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You see, no other creature has the privilege of hearing that statement. And so we humans have access to and the ability to communicate with God. The fact that God speaks is recorded in the Bible. 
You see, the Bible is a book of dialogues between God and man and man and God. And if you want to know what God is like and what he wants to say, you look in the Bible. And there God is speaking to us clearly his will and his purposes for humanity. Now, there's many examples of God speaking to folk in the Bible. I've just picked out, there was one guy, he was an Iraqi. He was my age, exactly, 75, very good looking, full of health. (laughs) And he was sitting one day in his rocking chair just enjoying the sun. And suddenly God came and he said, Abraham, I want you to get out of your country. I want you to leave your father's house. I want you to leave everything you're familiar with and all the security, and I want to show you a land, but you don't even know the direction of that land unless you follow me. And so clear was the voice of God that we read in Genesis 12, 4. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. There's no indication that Abraham had ever heard the voice of God before this time. Yet when he did hear it, he knew it. I had an experience probably a couple of years ago where I was kind of cleaning out some old tapes. As you get older, you start trying to eliminate stuff. And um, I picked up a a, uh, cassette tape that had no writing on it. And I thought, for some reason, I thought instead of just chucking it out, I'll find out who's the speaker or if there's anything on it at all. And I was travelling in my car, and the car I had in those days had a tape cassette recorder place in the car. And I stuck this little cassette in the car, I'm driving along, and I turn it on, and the moment the first word comes out of that tape, I knew exactly who it was. It was my father. And I hadn't heard his voice for over 30 years. And he had been speaking at a conference, and someone had taped my dad. And that tape has become a treasure because I can still hear the voice of my dad. A wonderful thing. You see, there's something about a voice that is very familiar and that identifies the speaker. And there's something about God's voice that every human being can detect and can respond to. Paul, again, writing to the Romans, says this, that which is known about God is evident within them, for God has made it evident to them. There's no excuses for any human being because God has put a receiver into the human spirit that when he speaks, however he speaks, they will know it. That's the way God's made us. You know what it's like. Say Simon rings me up from Wellington and I'm in Taupo and I don't know it. The phone goes, I picks it up and he says, hi bro, and I know immediately who it is 
because I'm familiar with Simon. And that's what the voice is like. There was a guy by the name of Jonah who heard the word of the Lord. And in Jonah 1.1, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And the Lord said, I want you to go to that Canaanite city, Nineveh, and I want you to proclaim my word to the people there. And we all know the story of Jonah. He chose to go in the opposite direction. He chose to disobey it. The fact was that Jonah very clearly heard the word of the Lord. The problem was he disobeyed it. The result of that was he became fish vomit on a beach in the Mediterranean. You see, it doesn't pay to disobey God. There was another man by the name of Isaiah, and he had exactly the opposite reaction. And in Isaiah 6, 8, we read, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And Isaiah's response was this, Here am I, send me. You see, you and I have a choice as to how we will handle the word of God. John the Apostle, an older man of 90, is on an island because of the testimony of the Lord Jesus. And we read in Revelation chapter 1 and in verse 10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and I heard a loud voice behind me like the sound of a loud trumpet. John heard the voice of God very clearly and he unveiled what he heard for us through the book of Revelation. So my first point is God speaks. My second point is this. Make an appointment to hear him. If God speaks, make an appointment, a deliberate, willful stand to hear his voice. Set a time, set a place every day where you can give time to hear the voice of God. You see, if you don't, you'll miss it. Talking of the Lord Jesus, Mark chapter 135, it says, In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Here's Jesus, God, fully God. But he's limited himself to his humanity and he's giving us an example. And Jesus, for him, chose a time and a place where he could communicate with his Father. For him, it was early morning, still dark, and the place was a secluded place. And there the Father would lay out the schedule for that day. And it was wonderful, and we know the results of it. David the psalmist, in fact, Sally and I read this in our readings this morning, said this, I rise before dawn, I cry for help, 
I wait for your words. Now, not all of us are early morning people. Run away from all religion, won't you? Thought I'd love this morning, you've been free. Don't get, ever get religious. So some people you might find are putting something heavy on you and you say, I'm not my best first thing in the morning. It's okay. You choose a time and a place which best suits you. The time when you can give a little time. The time when you're the most alert. The time when you can quieten your heart and your spirit and your mind and all of that just to hear his voice. Proverbs 8.34 says, Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at my doorposts. You see, if you fail to make the appointment, you could end up without that blessing. He said, blessed is the man that does this. Now, Jesus said in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. This is the blessing that is at stake. Hearing from God, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them, a relationship with God. And they follow me, direction and guidance for your life. That could be the blessing that you forfeit if you don't set a time and a place. Because you see, hearing God's voice leads us into intimacy, relationship with God, and a guaranteed guide for your life. Sally and I have lived with some verses right through our marriage. Commit your way to the Lord and he will direct your paths. We've lived in that verse for 49 years of marriage and we've proved it to be good. Psalm 95, 6 says, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, for he is our God. So you say, what do I do when I want to spend some quiet time? You can worship. There's no religious law here. But one of the things worship does is that it kind of, it's our love song to our our heavenly lover, and it's inviting him to come in. So we worship, and worship, beloved, is always away from us. I was in a church two or three weeks ago, and I was listening to the songs and looking at the words that were being sung, and one of the songs was all about us, and I watched the guy in front of me raising his hands, worshipping, and I, my thought was, he's actually worshipping himself. You can't worship God to those words. It's interesting that the root of worship is given in this verse. Come, let us bow down. Let us kneel before our God. And one of the other words that indicates worship is to blow a kiss toward or to come toward a potentate of some kind and to kneel and kiss the back of the hand. That's the meaning of worship. It's always away from us 
towards the object of our love. And then it says, we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. You suddenly realize that this God who is our creator, we're actually connected. We're part of his flock. And we come to the realization that he has come to us because we've come to him. And then he says to us, today, if you would hear his voice. Isn't it interesting? So we come, we worship, and we bow down. We acknowledge him. And then he says, today, you can hear my voice. Isaiah 53, three, uh, 55.3 says, incline your ear and come to me, listen that you may live. Incline your ear. In other words, we have to listen specifically for his voice. Isaiah gives us a wonderful little insight into the relationship that Jesus had with his father in that early morning period, which we read of in Mark. Listen to what Isaiah says in Isaiah 50, verse 4. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. Interesting, isn't it? Here's a wonderful prayer for all of us, just in this verse. This is what we could pray. Lord, awaken my ear. We're talking of the spiritual ear. Awaken it to hear your voice. And the wonderful thing was that the Lord God gave to Jesus the word that he was to speak to the weary of that day. Isn't it interesting? The Lord would give him the schedule of the day. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens me to hear as the learned. Now, it's interesting here that there's a knowledge, a wisdom, uh, an understanding that's far above anything you will ever learn at university or any other hall of learning. There's a wisdom and a knowledge that can come from the creator of heaven. And you might feel, well, I don't have a degree or I'm not highly educated. Listen to what the Pharisees said of Jesus in John 7:15. It said the Jews were astonished, saying, how can this man become learned having never been educated? Do you think God's got a sense of humor? Here's the creator of the universe being analyzed by the elite, intellectual elite of his day who have been studying the law and they are profoundly wise about it all and they're saying, how can this man, and Jesus is standing there, and I'm wondering if his thoughts are going like this. Hey, guys, I actually wrote the law. <laughs> but he didn't. <laughs> he just took it. 
Isn't it wonderful? So they're saying, this guy has become learned. And I just think there was a little smile went on in the heart of the father and the son at that time. Sally and I have, as I said earlier, been married for 49 years. And right from the beginning of our marriage, we have given a time every morning to do this. Can I encourage husbands and wives to do it together? We did it from very virtually the first day of our marriage, and we've done it ever since, every day, unless I was away or there was some extreme problem. But we open God's word, not to gain head knowledge, but to gain heart knowledge, to hear what the Lord is saying to us. You might be shocked to hear after Mark's introduction, I'm not perfect. I'm quite flawed. And what I've found is this, that those early mornings again and again, God speaks and he says, Ian, there's a little area here in your life that needs to be adjusted. There's a few little things you need to tidy up. You're a little bit ragged on some of your edges. And so we then pray what we've read into our hearts, asking that the Holy Spirit will apply his word so that we trust and pray we're becoming more Christ-like. That's what we do. Now, we've got a wonderful botanic gardens in uh, Taupo. And I, as regularly as I can, go for a walk around them. So Sal and I have our time together, but then I have a time, and she no doubt will as well, where I have to be on my own with God. And it's my walk around the Botanic Gardens, and I go there for three reasons. Number one, I'm getting on in years, and I need to keep the old bones working. I need to keep the heart pumping and the lungs breathing. <laughs> And so I go for my physical well-being. And I make sure I walk up a steep hill at the beginning of my walk so that I get everything pumping and moving for the next half hour or so walk that I'll do there. That's the first thing. The second thing is I love our native bush. I'm a bushman. That's my happy place. That's my healing place. When I lost my dad. I grieved for a long time, but the one place I got healing was when I went into the bush. And the third thing I do is to walk with the Lord. And I get out of my car and I say first thing, Lord Jesus, walk with me now and talk with me and teach me because I read something this morning I don't understand. Can you help me? So there's the three things. I have two benches, two seats that I sit on in the botanical gardens. One's called my witnessing seat. And it's a seat that's nice and long and wide, and I make sure I sit at the very end so there's plenty of space. And it's by a path where a lot of people walk through. 
and they're walking through enjoying the native trees that are in this area just as I am. So we've got an immediate connection, but they don't know what it's all about. And you would be surprised how many people have walked past my seat and I say to them, isn't this a wonderful place? And of course they agree with me because they're there enjoying it. And we start to talk and I know enough about native trees to be a little bit dangerous. I can name a few, you see. And the next thing we're having a little conversation and then I'll say to them, why don't you come and sit here? Because I said from this angle you can actually see the Kaka beach and flower just there and the kofis and flower there. And that's a silver beach. And next thing they're swallowed up in it and then they don't know where we're going to go but I know exactly where I'm going. <laughs> so that's one of my seats. Then I have another seat that's hidden away on a track that I've discovered over 15 years hardly anyone ever walks past. It's a secluded seat. It's in a grove of Totara. And I sit there and it reminds me of an area I used to hunt in when I used to hunt in the Tararuas. And I look at this and I think, I remember putting my pup tent under a place just like that. But that seat is the seat where I pour my heart out to God. That's the seat of intercession for me. That's the seat where I tell everything that I wouldn't tell anyone else that comes out of my heart and I say, God, there's my longings, my desires, my aspirations, my needs, my fears, my joys, whatever. I pour it all out. I'm as honest as I can be on that seat. So we need to do these things, make an appointment. Oh, gosh, when do we finish, Brian? All right, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't even ask you that. Can I do one more point? My third and final point is, if God speaks, we can hear it. Pretty practical. We can hear it. There are dozens of examples in Scripture of men and women who heard the voice of God, and when God spoke, they heard it, and they knew it was God speaking. Adam, Abraham, Elijah, Isaiah, Mary, John, all heard the voice of God. Paul says this, For I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you. It wasn't just the ramblings of an intelligent man that we have in the word of God. We have a man who, sure, it was, he was the writer, but the inspiration came from the Lord. He may have used his language and his abilities and giftings, but what he put down was from the Lord. I received from the Lord. So if they could hear it, so can we. My mother used to say of human beings, they're only a bunch of bones with skin ball over them. They're no different to you and to me. So if they could hear it, so can we. John 10.4 says, when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. 
yet they will by no means follow a stranger but will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Just a little warning here. The two spiritual entities, God and Satan, have access to the human mind. And we need to understand that. And we need to understand that we can be capable of hearing both voices. And so there's a little warning in this passage that Jesus is giving us. He said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. So we need to ask, how discerning are we of the voices that come into our heads? There are a lot of voices in the world today. And so we need to know the voice of God. John says, and this is 2 John 1.9, whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house or greet him. I don't know where we are on God's calendar, but we are living in very interesting days. But one thing I can guarantee you is this. The nearer we get to the coming of the Lord, the nearer we get to the end of the age, one thing will be very marked, and that's deception. Deception will be a mark of the end of the age. So how do we hear? Firstly, there's two types of words we can receive from Jesus. There's God's revealed word that we have in the Bible. And there he lays out his big plan for humanity and the church and righteousness and all of that. So that's one thing. There's, there's nothing that we need beyond that in one sense because God's word is eternal, unchanging word of God. But then there's God's specific word for our personal circumstances. You know, who do we marry? Where do we live? What kind of job? What kind of education? A whole lot of stuff. All of us have got those things which we want to know. What is God saying to me? Uh, I want to just close, because I'm scared of my time, with a, an example. This only happened in the last few weeks in Taupo, so it's right up to date of where I heard the voice of God. Now, I want to say is that God has many ways of communicating with us. And I was off going to do one of my walks, and I never know when I'm going to go up to the botanics. I might be studying in the morning or mowing the lawn or having to go and catch a trout, unfortunately. You know, there's all kinds of things. But every now and then I think, I've, it's my time, I need to go to the botanics. So I can go up in the morning, midday, evening. So I'm trusting, Sally and I, at the beginning of our day, we always ask the Holy Spirit to fill us, and we ask him to lead us. So the decisions we make in the day, I trust, are his. 
Well, this particular day, a few weeks back, I said to Sally, and it was round about lunchtime, and I said, I think I'll go up to the botanics for a walk. I'll skip lunch, I'll just go up there. And so off I went, and I got out of my car, and I started to walk to the steep hill that I was going, and it's about 150 metres, and then it goes up quite steep. And as I was walking to the bottom of the hill, I suddenly ended up with terrific pain in both my knees. And uh, it was so severe that I thought to myself, I'm not going to be able to walk up the hill. I won't be able to go round. I don't know what this is. What I didn't know was that God had put that pain in my knees, as you're going to discover. And I was standing at the bottom of the hill thinking, do I just turn round, get in my car, and drive home because I'm in such pain? And I happened to turn to my right and there was a new track that they'd put through with a whole lot of young native trees. And I thought, what I'll do is I'll just walk along this track, see what they've been planting, what they're putting in, what they're doing. I'll come back, go home, because I'm feeling so much pain. So I turned, and instead of going up the hill, I went off along this flat track, and I'd only gone 30 metres, and I looked off the bush, and here was a bloke standing like at that wall in the trees. Not on a track, just in the scrub. And I, it's not the kind of place anyone would go. You'd have to deliberately push through rubbish to get there. And he had a pit bull. And he was highly tattooed all down the side of his face, neck, and arm. And I looked at him, and I didn't know whether he'd seen me, and I thought, maybe he's got a marijuana plot, so you go for it. <laughs> Any case, I thought, I'll walk on down, and I walked another 100 metres, and the track turned to go down a valley, and there was all fresh plantings that they'd put in, those little native trees. And I got to the corner and thinking... I'll go down there and then I'll come back. And suddenly I had this very, very strong impression in my mind. God writes his laws in our hearts and our minds. He has access to our minds. It was a strong thought and it was this Ian stop and turn back. It was as clear as that, Ian stop and turn back. And it's interesting, over the last decade or two, I've learnt to obey very strong impressions like that. So I did exactly the thought that came into my mind. I stopped, I turned round, and I started to walk back up the way I had just come. And I got to the point where this guy had been, and he stepped out right in front of me with his pit bull dog. The only thing was, he had his back to me, and he had a cell phone camera, and he was taking a picture of a little kofi that had just been planted. The dog let him know I was there. <laughs> and uh, he suddenly turned round, and here's this man, a fine-looking young European guy, but with all these tattoos down his face. And the tattoos weren't nice. Some of them were quite demonic. And so suddenly we're facing each other. So I addressed him. I thought, I may as well. I'm always looking for opportunities, you see. So my first thing is, I notice you are interested in native trees. 
He said, yes, I am. I said, aren't they wonderful? And here I go. (laughs) And the next thing, we are engaged in a conversation. And we're talking about things that he's... And he starts to open up. He says, I've just come to... Taupo from Rotorua, I didn't know a place like this existed. I said, oh, I come up here nearly daily if I can. It's wonderful, marvellous place. And he said, well, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. And we started to talk. And about 10 minutes, quarter of an hour into our conversation, he suddenly stopped me and he said, I want to thank you for something. And I said, what's that? He said, you haven't judged me. I said, what are you talking about? I'm knowing exactly what he was talking about. He said, You're, you see the tattoos on my face, my neck, and my arms across his chest. He said, I got those when I was 17. I'm about 35 now. And I wished I'd never, ever got them. They'd been a curse in my life. That gave me the entrance. I said, God looks at the heart, not the outer man. And suddenly our conversation went. For time-wise, I won't go into the conversation. But 15 minutes later, or 30 minutes later, I led this young man to the Lord. That is what it means to hear the voice of God. In our conversation, he mentioned his mother, who had been brought up as a believer, as a young woman, but had tossed everything in, was no longer going on with God. But he made a little mistake. He said, she's working at a particular motel in Taupo, and I know the owner of the motel. So after I'd finished my conversation with this dear young man, uh, I quickly drove down to the motel and I got Marcus, my, my friend, and I said, Marcus, you and I have got a job to do. I've just led a young man to the Lord and his mother works for you as a cleaner. This is her name. Oh, he said, I know her well. I said, well, here's the circumstances. You go for her, she's all yours. And Marcus is a wonderful militant witness for Jesus. He used to work in a hunting and fishing shop up in Tauranga in Hamels. And hardened pig hunters would come into his shop and he would give them the gospel. (laughs) That's the kind of guy. And so we're believing that these two will get both, mum will get led to the Lord. I haven't been able to follow that up yet. But the point I want to make is this. God has ways and means of speaking to us. And the interesting thing is this, that after I'd finished talking with Marcus, I had no pain in my knees. Interesting, isn't it? I was as free as a bird. So learn to hear God's voice, learn to obey it because when you do, you are always in his will. Not only that, you're always in his presence. I don't know if you 
we didn't go into the whole passage, but when Jonah disobeyed, it said he went from the presence of the Lord. It's so interesting. Remember Moses in Exodus 3. I have nearly finished, so hold your breath. In Exodus 3, where the burning bush, and he hears a voice out of this burning bush, and the Lord says to him, take your shoes off your feet, for the place that you are standing on is holy ground. Notice the Lord didn't say, get out of here. He said, you stay standing here, but with your feet, nothing between you and me. Standing here. I want contact with you. You stand on my holiness. So God comes to us when he speaks with us. We're in their presence when he comes to hear with us. And I want to finish with one little challenge now. Remember what Jesus said in John 10, my sheep hear my voice. Big question. Are you one of God's sheep? My sheep hear my voice. The psalmist said, the Lord is my shepherd. If you want to hear God's voice, you need to come to know the shepherd. And Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Don't be afraid to bow your heart towards this wonderful shepherd and say, make me one of the flock of your pasture. May it be so. If there's, no, if there's someone here that's never done that, you've never asked Jesus to be your shepherd, please come and talk to me afterwards. Amen? Let's just give thanks to the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we're not worshipping an idol that has eyes that don't see or a mouth that doesn't speak, but we worship the true and living God who says, my sheep hear my voice. And how often we read, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. And so, Lord, I now pray for this wonderful group of people that you will open the ears of their spirits, minds and hearts, that they may hear you speak and guide them for the glory of your namesake. Amen. The Lord bless you. Hallelujah.